Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, I'm going to be continuing my preview series. I know that I'm cranking these out a little late and it's pretty last second before the season starts, but hey, realistically, I don't think it matters too much. You can still visit these after week one and they're still going to be very relevant in terms of predicting the entirety of a season. You know, one week is really not going to affect it too much. Either way, I'm planning on having all of these out by tomorrow. If you're listening to this, <clears throat> most likely this is going to be out september 7th thursday the opening day of the nfl so you know week one might already be coming gone by the time you guys have listened to this either way i really appreciate it if you are tuning in today's episode i'm going to be previewing the entirety of the nfc west if you've been listening to some of these episodes previously you already know how these work Timestamps are going to be down below in the prescri- in the description not prescription if you want to check out your favorite squad uh you can feel free to jump right ahead to it in this series i cover everything from free agency moves that the team has made how their draft played out and then of course i'm going to be predicting their record for the upcoming season if you do enjoy these series be sure to let me know by following me here on spotify also go be sure to go follow me over on instagram uh i'm hoping that these will be up on apple music soon enough i really don't know what the problem is they should already be up on apple music but i'm having some troubles um uploading it and really finding it and how to get it there but Soon enough, that should be done and with you guys. Either way, this season's going to be really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And let's get into the NFC West. Another thing that I forgot to mention in the intro, I'm actually using the same mic as I normally use, but I'm using a little bit of a different setup. It's a lot closer to my mouth right now than it normally is. So if the quality is better, be sure to let me know if it sounds worse and you want it back to the old way. Let me know. Um, maybe I can find like a decent middle ground. I know for a fact that it is going to be louder, so I won't have to do as much post you know, editing because normally I do increase the decibels on my voice. Either way, it doesn't matter. Just let me know how it sounds. If it's good enough, I'll keep rolling with it. If you guys want to different setup i'll figure something else out that's no worries at all all right first off let's get into the los angeles rams this is a team that finished 5 and 12 a year after winning the super bowl obviously there were still very high expectations on the rams and they had a lot of problems a lot of it starts with health major health problems throughout the season obviously their offensive line got beat up matthew stafford had his elbow injury and then cooper cup was dealing with injuries throughout the season as well could this carry over into this year? It sounds like it already is. Cooper Cup has been dealing with a hamstring injury that he already is going to have him out at least week one, but he could end up on the injury injured reserve list. Excuse me. Um, you know, obviously you never wish to see that from a star player and you hope that he can stay healthy, but it is a reality that is affecting their season already. So if you did draft him in fantasy, I'm sorry, but hey, you probably shouldn't have done that. Anyways, um, Matthew Stafford, you know, we'll have to wait and see how his elbow's doing and how healthy he is going to be this year because only time can really answer that question. Sorry if you just heard me close my window. There was a motorcycle that drove by. Realized my window wasn't closed right next to me, so got that closed up now. But again, 
With absolutely zero money to spend, the Rams made nearly no moves in free agency. Uh, they re-signed Coleman Shelton, who played 720 snaps for them last year on the offensive line. But other than that, they really didn't make a lot of moves to keep any of their guys or to bring any guys in. Um, again, you can really expect this to be a team that is entering a rebuild phase, especially now with Cooper Cup possibly landing on injured reserve. There's really not a lot of hope for this team, especially in this year. Obviously, they invested in their future to win now they ended up winning a super bowl in it but now you know they have to pay off that debt they're paying off dividends they lost a lot of guys ended up releasing a lot of guys so let's get into that first obviously they traded jalen ramsey they needed to get rid of cap space very desperately and essentially had no leverage because of it because of it so i still expected them to get more than a third round pick for jalen ramsey but again when you're that desperate to get rid of a guy that just leaves you with essentially no leverage and basically every team in the nfl knew that they needed to get rid of jalen so miami stepped up gave him a third round pick obviously you hope that he can stay healthy there because it's a very exciting thought for him in miami across from Xavier Howard that could be an excellent cornerback duo for years to come they also released Bobby Wagner and Leonard Floyd two guys that um, Bobby was just brought in this last year and then Leonard Floyd obviously has been there for the past few years won the Super Bowl with them two veteran guys that have been around the league for quite some time um, again both released purely because of cap casualty reasons they just needed to get below the salary cap very desperately so release both of those guys with all that being said, again, I mentioned that they haven't made basically any moves in free agency. All they did was really sign uh, Coleman Shelton. And then, of course, they let some of these veteran guys go, got some of the money off of their books. But with that being said, they did have a boat ton, a boatload, not a boat ton, a boatload of, of draft picks in this last year's draft. And I think they did a really good job with it for the most part. Obviously, they didn't have a first or a second rounder because of all the trades they've made in years past. Or no, they did have a second rounder. They didn't have a first. I'm sorry about that. And I'm not going to list off every single one of the picks they made, but some picks that I will highlight that I think they got excellent value for. In the second round with their first pick of the draft, they got Steve Avila, arguably the best guard in this year's draft coming out of TCU. He was a very, very big reason why TCU went as far as they did in college football last year. They also got Byron Young out of Tennessee, um, an excellent, you know, inside outside versatility pass rusher guy uh, they got kobe turner out of wake forest who was one of my biggest sleepers in this entire draft if you listen to me throughout the draft process you know i was very very high on this guy mostly because he has a lot of characteristics that you simply can't teach and even though he wasn't playing the best competition down there at wake forest he was extremely dominant in his time down there and he is a true three four end that's going to fit very very well in this scheme because he has simply uncoachable abilities his first step is incredible for someone his size he does have shades of aaron donald in that respect obviously doesn't have nearly the pass rush moves or the quick hands that donald does nobody does nobody is aaron donald do not get me wrong but in terms of first step for someone who's as big as he is you know a little bit undersized to be a nose or a guy that lines up as like a one or a two technique but when you're lining up as a three tech um or even wider if you're going to be a three four end in this scheme which they like to play here I think it's a really, really great fit with someone that's this big and this quick for his size. He is 290 pounds, but his first step is absolutely incredible. They also drafted Stenson Bennett, who I'm not you know, particularly high on. I don't think Stetson's going to be anything incredible in the league, but he's going to be a long-term backup, uh, long-time backup, excuse me. 
And again, it's just an interesting pick because obviously won a national championship with Georgia, played his last collegiate game in SoFi Stadium, ends up getting drafted to the Rams, who of course play in SoFi Stadium. They also drafted Puka Nakua out of BYU, very interesting pick and turned a lot of heads in minicamp and the preseason as well. And then the last pick I'd like to highlight is Travius Hodges Tomlinson, who was again, a leader on this TCU team, a big reason why they went as far as they did and was just simply excellent for the Horned Frogs last year. He is very undersized, and that's why a lot of people, you know, were staying away from him and why he fell in the draft quite a bit. But his tape does not lie. He has a ton of pass breakups, plays extremely feisty, and plays a lot bigger than his size. So we'll see how that translates into the NFL level. But again, a great leader for this Horned Frogs defense and was a great DB there at TCU. So Again, it's not really surprising to say that this team should be entering a major rebuild phrase. There's not too much to talk about here. We obviously know what this team is and what they aren't. Uh, we don't expect them to be contenders again or likely anytime soon. Again, they've been dealing with a plethora of injuries. Obviously, they have one of the best defensive players in the entirety of the NFL, if not the best defensive player in the entirety of the NFL when he is healthy and Aaron Donald. But you know, we kind of expect him to be on the last leg of his career here. And then someone like Cooper Cup, you know, same can kind of go for him. Um, unfortunately, you know, injuries have really plagued his career the last couple of years. When he is healthy and playing, he is one of, if not the best wide receiver in all of football. But this is just an extremely thin roster that outside of those two stars and then of course Matthew Stafford still pretty good don't get me wrong but outside of those two stars there's really just not a lot of depth to write home about um there's just really not a lot of talent on this roster whatsoever outside of those guys so again expect this team to be stockpiling picks for a while this should be a team that's um you know just looking to load up guys in the draft looking to unload cap space and then you know, hopefully get another opportunity to spend big and invest in some draft capital and, you know, hit an opening opening championship window sooner rather than later. But again, oh, sorry about that. That's my alarm telling me that my pizza is ready. Um, so I'm going to wrap this up really quickly and then I'm going to go grab my pizza. <laughs> but again, either way, this is a team that should definitely be entering a rebuild phase right now. So for the record prediction, I have them going 3-14. and 14. I really don't think that's a hot take. I don't even think Rams fans can get that mad at me for this one. I expect them to be one of, if not the worst team in the NFL. I still think there's a couple teams worse than them, and we'll get to those teams eventually. One of them I will be talking about in this very episode. Their over-under is set at 6.5 wins. That is something that I'm just going to say it now. Ain't no fucking way they win 7 games. So that's definitely something I'd be looking at the under four obviously it's going to be minus money because six and a half just feels like way too much but still something i'd be eyeing down there and again not too much to say about the rams here so with all that being said i'm gonna grab my pizza and i'm gonna talk about the niners next all right pizza has been pulled out of the oven half of it has been eaten let's get into the san francisco 49ers obviously been a very very eventful offseason for niners and their fans gotta start with trey lance i'll keep it brief because i'm sure you guys have already heard a ton about trey lance and how he's been traded to the dallas cowboys but of course i do have to address it because it's kind of my job is this the worst self-lease in history it just might be i mean considering they gave up three first round picks to go get their guy in trey lance and then ended up getting a fourth round pick out of him and he was nothing but a disaster in san francisco literally never even had like a moment not even like a glimmer of hope for his fans um 
it was just really, really disappointing if you're a Niners fan. Obviously, this is still a team that has championship aspirations and still a team that has a very, very good roster. So it didn't necessarily cost them their window. But at the same time, you could have capitalized a lot more off of that pick. I mean, if you just read the next few picks after him, this is every pick in order after him. Let me read this really quick. Kyle Pitts, who again, great rookie year, hasn't been great. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Penny Sewell, J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, Devontae Smith, Justin Fields, Micah fucking Parsons, Rashawn Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, Mac Jones. That's an order, folks. This seriously might go down as it's not only because was it just a blunder of a pick and they traded three first round picks. Sure, all that. But when you look at who went behind them, who they took this guy, Trey Lance, over, it's absolutely unreal and honestly just unexcusable. This seriously might go down as one of the best drafts in NFL history, and the Niners only got Trey Lance out of it. It's incredible to think what they could have what could have been here. I mean, can you imagine Jalen Waddle on the Shanahan scheme? His yards after the catch would be unreal. Can you imagine Micah Parsons lining up opposite of Nick Bosa? Can you imagine Rashawn Slater and Trent Williams being your starting tackles? Can you imagine Elijah Vera Tucker playing guard for this team? I mean, I can go on and on and on with every single one of these picks. Penny Sewell and Trent Williams. That's your tackle duo of the future. Like, it's just unreal. Even Patrick Sertan would be a far better pick. Fuck, even J.C. Horn, who has barely played any snaps in the NFL. Okay, maybe not barely played any snaps, because he has played significant snaps. He's been incredible when he's been on the field. He's been injured, but nevertheless, I would still rather have J.C. Horn on my team than I would have Trey Lance. It's unreal. And then even the fact that a lot of people were giving me shit for this, and a lot of people, I remember... Chris Sims was making a big deal out of Mac Jones could definitely go number three and it might make the most sense, right? A lot of people were saying that. And now everyone, you know, is on the Justin Fields bandwagon and, you know, come on on it because he's a great player, great dude. And I really hope he takes the next step this year. But my point is even Mac Jones, who has definitely had his ups and downs and some rough patches in his time there in New England, Mac Jones in this system, are you kidding me? That would be so much better. He would be a perfect fit. Just, it, you don't even need to take off and be mobile and do all that extra stuff outside the play. Mac Jones is known for being able to read the field and known for making the smart decisions. It It's just unreal, the amount of talent that went after. Never, that's just, in, you know, literally each pick after that. I'm not even reading picks in the second and third and fourth. You know, there's other guys like Hufunga who went in this draft. There's so much talent in this draft and they ended up with Trey Lance. So that's all I'm going to say about it because I'm sure you guys have already heard plenty about it. It's been talked about, you know, for ever since the trade went down in media. So I'll leave it at that. Let's get into some of the free agency losses that the Niners experienced. So first off, Jimmy G signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, you guys know how I feel about Jimmy G. Don't think he's a very good quarterback. Think he got, you know, bailed out by Kyle Shanahan and his scheme a lot. Don't think that's anything special for the Raiders. And, and if anything, it's definitely a downgrade from Derek Carr, in my humble opinion. They also lost Charles Amenahu going over to the Kansas City Chiefs. Really big pickup for the Chiefs, by the way. Um, they lost Mike McGlinchey, who's going over to the Denver Broncos. You could argue he was overpaid over there, but they addressed a need. And he is still, at the end of the day, an above-average tackle. Lost Samson Ebukon, lost Emmanuel Mosley, Aziz Alshair, and Jimmy Ward. So 
I get that it's not a lot of stars. You know, a lot of those names aren't going to be like pro bowlers or all pros anytime in their career, even though I think Jimmy Ward technically was a all pro at one point. Um, I know for a fact he made a pro bowl, but those are some serious contributors, especially, you know, guys like Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Aziz Al-Shair. Those dudes, you know, get significant snaps and have been significant pieces of that San Francisco defense. That really is the identity of this team. It really is one of the reasons why San Francisco has been as good and as relevant as they have been in the past five years or so. Um, a large part of that is because of their defense. And again, they're missing losing out on i should say a lot of guys that made that motor go defensively and then they pretty much only made one move um as far as signing outside guys go but it was a pretty big name i will give them that uh javon hargrave coming in and signing i believe it was a three-year deal if i'm not mistaken there um he is on the older side i believe he's on the wrong side of 30 but again, they've been missing an interior pass rusher and they've been trying to address it for a very long time. This was supposed to be Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw, if you remember him out of South Carolina, but that pick hasn't really worked out yet. Not saying that there isn't time for him still, but adding Javon Hargrave there in the middle just gives them another dimension of pass rushing. Now they have an interior pass rusher. Javon Hargrave has been nothing short of incredible the last couple of years, especially last year for the Philadelphia Eagles when you know some of the pressure was taken off of him because there was so much talent around him. We could see a similar level of success in San Francisco, possibly even more, um, which is crazy to think because Javon had a, a fantastic year last year for the Eagles. So it's kind of a win-win for the Niners in that regard because not only are they getting... Uh, a piece of this defense that's been missing and you could argue maybe the only piece of this defense that's been missing because they're a fantastic defense very well-rounded now they get an interior pass rusher so obviously that's a win and then they also took him away from the philadelphia eagles you could argue is their biggest competition in the nfc so you, again you could say it's a win-win there they also re-signed sam darnold and Tashawn gibson Tashawn gibson was quietly having a fantastic year last year for the san francisco 49ers i believe he had five picks last year um i hope i'm not just making that stat up but i feel like i read that um either way very very underrated player there was really good in his time in chicago really really good for that jacksonville jaguars team in 2017 when that defense just absolutely showed up out of nowhere onto the scene and had a ton of talent on it he was a really big part of that defense and yeah again played really well for the san francisco 49ers last year their draft i will say it was kind of really weird i thought they were smart to gather a bunch of picks especially you know after they've given up so much in these big time trades you know which is trey lance and then of course christian mccaffrey bringing bringing him in in the middle of the year last year sorry if you can hear one of my dogs barking i'm just i'm just i'm just gonna give up on that and they're just gonna be barking because i've tried to shut them up and it's just not happening anyways so I thought they were smart to gather up a bunch of picks because, again, they've traded a bunch of picks for some of these guys like a Christian McCaffrey and like a Trey Lance. But Jake Moody in the third round, I get it. He was probably the best kicker in college football last year. I don't really fucking care. You never take a kicker. I don't even think you should draft kickers ever, period. Like, I, not even in the seventh round. Just take them undrafted free agent route. Just do that. It's going to be cheaper. It's going to make way more sense. You're not going to lose out on... There's quality, quality, quality players that come out of the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. And if any team should know that, it should be San Francisco. They got Fred Warner in the third. They got guys like Hufunga in the fifth round. It's just, it makes no sense. And it's very un 49ers like this is a team that especially outside of the first round, they tend to draft very, very well. They do have a history of struggling in the first round, but outside of the first, they tend to do very well on their kit on their picks this year 
not so much. Really, really weird draft for me. And again, even beyond the uh, Jake Moody pick, there was just a few just weird picks here. Not a lot of great value picks. Didn't really like what they did in the draft at all. Obviously, I'm no GM. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just a fan, and I'd like to think that I'm more knowledgeable than most, but you never really know until you know it all plays out and it's all said and done and these guys get in pads and on the field how they're going to end up being in the NFL. Obviously, everyone's coaching staff is looking for different skill sets, all that type of stuff. So, again, I can't really say too much about that, but from an outside point of view, I thought it was a really strange draft for the San Francisco 49ers. Either way, we know why this team team wins. I mentioned it earlier. They have an elite defense, have had an elite defense for years now. Um, allowed the second fewest rushing yards in the league last year. Also, you know, a great back seven coverage unit. We know how good their linebackers are in coverage. Um, I like their DBs a lot. Demarcus, or not Demarcus, Diamador Lenore is going to get a lot more snaps at corner. I love Chavarius Ward a lot. I think their safeties are really, really damn good. Even losing Jim Jimmy Ward, I still like their safety duo there. And then, of course, we know their elite offensive weapons with yards after the catch monsters with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk is more the route running and red zone guy. George Kittle can block and get yards after the catch like crazy. So, again, we know how this team wins. I do slightly worry about Brock Purdy and that elbow and how it's going to hold up. Um, he did injure his UCL, which. A lot of football fans may not know this, but baseball fans will know that's a very, very big deal to injure ACL in your throwing arm. But again, I don't think it's going to be too big of a deal, but it is definitely something that I have my eye on and something I'm worried about. If Brock Purdy is not remotely like himself last year and the 49ers fall off pretty hard, I am not going to be surprised in the slightest, honestly. I could definitely see something like that happen. But if he looks like his old self from last year and you know he's just, again serviceable because that's really all you need to be in the Shanahan offense that's not going to surprise me at all so I mean outside of that this offensive line doesn't really impress me outside of Trent Trent Williams um, but that's mostly because they're young and again I'm not too concerned about that because scheme wise it's very forgiving on offensive linemen it can be a little bit complicated but once you pick it up um, it's very forgiving on those guys and again it's more so these guys just haven't I haven't seen it yet that doesn't mean they can't do it but again it doesn't mean they can in the same aspect so let's get on to my record prediction for this team last year this team went 13 and 4 they're over under right now is sitting at 10 and a half wins my prediction for this team is 12 and 5 i could definitely see 11 and 6 or 10 and 7 or maybe even 13 and 4 if they reach the same ceiling they reached last year i could see all those being you know possibilities but i have them going 12 and 5 let me know what you guys think about that and let's get on to the seattle seahawks Oh man, just grabbed the other half of that pizza. Fuck yeah. The Seattle Seahawks. This is a team that literally had zero expectations a year ago. And it was almost, almost, whoa, it was almost universally agreed upon that they would be one of the worst teams in the league or the worst team in the league and that they would end up with a top five pick. Turns out they did end up with a top five pick, but it was not their own. It was actually the Denver Broncos that ended up sucking balls. And the Seattle Seahawks ended up blowing up everybody's expectations i know i think i had them winning three games when i did this series this time last year either way this roster greatly and i mean greatly outperformed expectations of course starting with geno smith himself you know the legend now seattle you know seems like they found their guy for the foreseeable future who knows if he's gonna be able to replicate the the way he played last year but especially throughout the first eight weeks 
of last year. He was fantastic. One of the best deep ball throwers in the entire NFL. Extremely accurate with the football. Seemed like a great leader on the field. He had some amazing quotes, you know. Um, they wrote me off, but I didn't write him back, being one of them. That was fucking awesome. Really, really cool story. Really fun guy to root for. Um, you know, been in the league a really long time. Been a long time backup. Um, hadn't started a week one game in like, I don't even remember how many years before that. I think when he was on the Jets. And then obviously starts week one against Russell Wilson. Ends up beating him at home. That was a great way to start the year. And who knew that that was going to be, you know, basically foreshadowing the entire season for both of those teams with the Broncos being absolute trash and the Seattle Seahawks being much, much better than people expected them to. A lot of the reason why was, of course, because Geno Smith. But beyond Geno Smith, they had a generational draft last year two guys that were nothing short but fantastic for them um you know starts with kenneth walker the running back out of michigan state that they took in the second round and then of course also their fifth round pick Tariq Wollen, very close to winning defensive rookie of the year if he's not in the same class as sauce gardner he almost certainly would have won defensive rookie of the year he was absolutely fantastic again especially in the first half of the season for the seattle seahawks um and then other than that, I mean, they just killed it with their draft beyond that. Um, getting Charles Cross at number nine, I believe it was. Then getting Abraham Lucas later on. Both of those guys had played a ton of snaps at either tackle position for the Seattle Seahawks and were fantastic for him. Um, so, again, four rookies that are contributing immediately. I feel like I'm forgetting one that I can't think of right now, but that's okay. Either way. For having four rookies come in and have an immediate impact on the field almost never happens and it looks like they might have done it again um just with taking devon witherspoon with that fifth overall pick he's just a picture perfect fit in the seattle defense he's going to bring back that legion of boom mentality where he feels like he can cover anyone and help out and run support he was fantastic at his time there and illinois was my number one ranked cornerback for a reason and then jackson smith and jigba coming out of ohio state again my number one ranked wide receiver so they got my number one ranked cornerback and my number one ranked receiver all in the first round a great first round for the seattle seahawks but it didn't end there also getting zach chabernet to compliment Kenneth Walker in that backfield makes a ton of sense because Kenneth has dealt with some injuries has had a lingering hamstring issue and we know how tricky hamstrings can be um and Zach Chabernet my third ranked running back maybe fourth ranked running back now that I think about it I think I had uh Israel Batacanda in front of him either way Zach Chabernet a guy that can do it all really really powerful running back fits the identity of the Seattle Seahawks team and honestly might get more snaps than people realize because I think I think it might be more 50-50 than people think because I think they want to keep Kenneth Walker fresh and healthy and they don't want to give him like that true workload, uh, workhorse workload, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I think Zach Chabernet could have a really good impact and then bringing in Kenny McIntosh also at running back to replace Travis Homer. He is an excellent, and I mean excellent receiving back. Didn't test very well at the combine, but was extremely good for the Georgia Bulldogs at his time there in Georgia, Athens. Um, and then also drafting Alusagun, Alawatimi, I hope I'm saying that. I think it's Alushagoon, actually. But Alushagoon, he won the Remington, which is the nation's top center award. He also ran the Outland Award for its top offensive or defensive lineman. Went to Michigan. Longtime starter for... He transferred to Michigan. I can't remember where he transferred from right now, though. I used to know this. I should have written this down. Either way, very good center there for Michigan and could be a long-term starter there for in Seattle. Even if he's not, just a great depth piece there. So I like a lot of the picks they made this year. Um, again, 
just having two very, very good back-to-back drafts makes for a very bright future in Seattle. Even if Geno does regress a little bit, you have to be excited as a Seattle fan because it feels like this roster is in a very, very good place. It's crazy how much of a difference two drafts can make for this team because two, a year ago this time, before we saw any of the rookies take any sort of snaps, I was saying that this might be the worst team or sorry, the worst roster, I guess, in all of football. Now that we're a year removed from those thoughts and we've seen their rookies perform, and now we're one more draft removed again. So now, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigbar are coming in and Devin Witherspoon are coming in. Those guys are coming in. Um, this might be one of the best rosters in all of the league, you know, minus quarterback. And if Geno can play at least, you know, 80% of how Geno played last year, this should be a very, very competitive football team that can give a lot of teams troubles in the NFC free agency they did lose Puna Ford and Cody Cody Barton but they replaced those guys with two upgrades in my opinion in Draymond Jones and Bobby Wagner coming back obviously Bobby Wagner longtime Seattle Seahawk seems like he regretted you know signing that deal with Los Angeles didn't end up mattering he got cut the very next year and now he is back in Seattle who knows how many more years he's going to end up doing it for but he's still a very very elite linebacker even at his old age um, and then Draymond Jones feels like a clear upgrade over Puno Ford for me. Again, bringing some interior pressure there. Um, I think he's a tad bit overrated, funny enough, and they did pay him a good amount of money. But it totally addresses a position of need, and I absolutely understand why they made the move that they did. It feels like they have a lot of edge rushers that they believe in, a lot of young guys that they believe to take the next step. So for Draymond Jones, a guy who's been around the league for a few years now, to come in not only as a leadership role, but to add some versatility in the interior, I feel like it makes a ton of sense for how they're building this roster. And then, of course, Bobby Wagner coming in as not only an elite player, but an elite leader on and off the field again just makes way too much sense there seattle's so familiar with him how to use him and he's just still he's still got it he's still a fantastic player bringing in julian love a safety for the new york giants who did a lot for them was a very versatile guy makes again just a great fit in this seattle cover heavy cover three scheme i think it makes a ton of sense and it wasn't exactly a position of need but it's not like they actually like absolutely broke the bank for him and again, it's a good problem to have when you have a bunch of guys in the secondary that can ball because, again, this is a very, very good roster for the most part. I still think they could use some help along the interior offensive line. But, I mean, other than that, there's truly not many holes in this roster whatsoever, especially offensive weapons-wise. It's one of the best in the league And when you just look at everything in totality. Um, considering that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be their wide receiver three, is just absolutely incredible when you really do think about it. They also added Jaron Reed along the interior of that defensive line. They added Devin Bush, who's more of a gamble play, but again, very high upside gamble there at linebacker. And they added Evan Brown, another center to, again, just addressing the position in need. They needed to address interior offensive line. Evan Brown, a dude who can possibly kick out to guard, but has played many snaps at center and has experience there. Even if he's just a depth piece, it makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, they re-signed Geno Smith to a three-year, $75 million deal. It is front-loaded, so if they can get out of it, if he does regress very significantly, I don't expect that to happen. And honestly, I expect, even if he's not the exact same guy he was last year, I expect similar results. Either way, 
Futures looking very, very bright in Seattle if Geno isn't their guy. And with all that being said, my record prediction for them is 10 and 7. I could definitely see 9 and 8. I think either way, it's going to be right around there. And I think they're going to be very, very competitive in the NFC West. I think they finish second in this division and once again make it into the wild card round. Um, you know, not being able to beat out San Francisco for the division, but looking like a very competitive team in the NFC and can definitely give teams problems in the regular season and even in the playoffs depending on who they match up against so i have the seattle seahawks going 10 and 7 and with all that being said let's move on to probably the worst team in football the arizona cardinals oh yes the arizona cardinals i'm i really don't have much to say i'm going to keep this really brief because i think you guys have just already heard it all and honestly my expectations are so low about this team that I don't really want to waste too much time on it. Um, I have to pay my Cardinals fans respect. Jackson Hamilton, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, bro. You guys are going to fucking suck this year. It's just the reality. Um, I don't, you know, make the rules. I'm just here to support them, and I'm just here to tell my truth, and I'm here to analyze it and break it all down. Breaking it down, I think the Cardinals are going to be ass. I like what they did in the draft a lot. Um, before I get to that, let's talk about they hired Jonathan Cannon Jonathan Gannon, excuse me, as the new head coach, obviously was the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's already getting memed like crazy online. I kind of feel bad for the guy just because he doesn't seem like a very good leader in a locker room. But obviously, you never really know. You, you, I mean, they said the same things about Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni obviously took his team to the Super Bowl. Very, very different situations. Do not get me wrong here. This Arizona team is probably the least talented roster in the entire league. The Eagles were arguably the most talented roster in the entire league once Nick Sirianni came in there. So, I don't know. It's it's really not comparable, but it is worth mentioning that Jonathan Gannon has been getting some flack online for his leadership skills. We'll see how much that translates. Again, really don't make too much out of it. It is kind of funny, though, to see some of it. This team stayed pretty quiet in free agency. Uh, they signed Will Hernandez from the Giants, who did sort of turn some heads in preseason and actually had a really good preseason for himself after... Honestly, kind of looking like a bust in New York. There was just, he had a lot of opportunities for, you know, to start and to establish himself and set his place in this roster in New York, but didn't end up really like coming into fruition there. So he ended up signing with the Arizona Cardinals, a little bit of a second, um, what's the word? I'm like, a second chance in the NFL. I don't know why I couldn't think of the term second chance. Um, so we'll end up seeing how that goes. And then Jonathan Gannon brought back his his guy, Kazir White, from the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the Isaiah Simmons replacement in this defense. Um, from that point of view, you know, bringing in a guy like Kazir to replace Isaiah makes a lot of sense because Isaiah honestly never really panned out for Arizona. He had some flash moments, but I just really don't think they knew how to use him and they really didn't use him in the right aspects. So it's kind of funny that he's ended up going to the Giants, uh, Isaiah that is, because they only gave up a seventh round pick for him. And I think it's a really good fit in that Wink Markendale defense, I think that he's going to know exactly how to use them. Either way, we're not talking about the Giants right now. We are talking about the Arizona Cardinals. They also signed Kevin Beecham. Uh, again, just not really a big name there and not too much to say. But they did lose some of their guys, and I'm really surprised they didn't re-sign Byron Murphy. That was a guy that was pretty solid for them and could do a lot. Um, he could work outside and as well as inside. He ended up signing with the Minnesota Vikings, addressing a position of need for them. But again, I'm kind of surprised the Arizona Cardinals just didn't keep around. I guess they're just clearing cap. And again, it really feels like this team is tanking for Caleb Williams. It really is interesting that they did sign Joshua Dobbs, and he is going to be the long-term starter. Uh, no, I shouldn't say long-term starter, but for now until Kyler Murray is back on the field. And they also cut 
Colt McCoy. It feels like a downgrade and it almost feels like an intentional downgrade. We've seen teams tank and it almost never works. It almost never ends up paying off, but it really does feel like this team is doing that. It's just interesting to think that so much of Kyler's future is really riding in the hands of Joshua Dobbs right now. If Joshua Dobbs can find a way to steal some early wins early on in the season and by the time Kyler back, Kyler's back, this team can just hang around then you know maybe the team is given enough reason to not go after a guy like Caleb Williams. Um, again, it's too early pr- to predict what ends up happening there. It, it really is one of those situations where time will tell. I feel like m- more than likely, if I were to put my name behind it, I'd probably say that this team you know ends up with one of, if not the worst record in the entirety of the NFL, and they do end up with Caleb Williams. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens to Kyler Murray when that does happen. Again, it's almost useless to talk about it now because it's so far in the future that you really just can't predict one thing or another happening. But again, Kyler Murray just very recently signed that historic extension with the Arizona Cardinals. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they end up dealing him, what they end up getting for him in compensation if they do end up going with Caleb Williams. But either way, that is so far away from now, it's almost not even worth talking about. But I just have to mention it because, again, I do expect this team to end up most likely with the first or second overall picks. They might even end up with both, which again, credit to them for what they did in the draft. So let's talk about that now. Let's get into the draft. I will say, I absolutely love what they did in the draft. I think not only did they make a lot of really good picks, but the trade they made was absolutely fantastic because I, I'll i get to it eventually and I, might, I probably won't record that episode tonight. I'll probably end up recording it tomorrow, but I will spoil it for you a little bit now. I think the Houston Texans are going to be the second worst team in the NFL. I think they're going to finish with the second worst record in the NFL. Um, Even if they're not, you know, exactly the second worst, I still think they're going to be one of the five or ten worst. So even worst case scenario for the Arizona Cardinals, they end up with two top ten picks. Best case scenario, they literally end up with picks one and two because don't forget the Houston Texans traded up with the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals traded down from six. Um, Texans got their guy in Will Anderson at number three, and then the Arizona Cardinals got the Texans' first-round pick of this upcoming year. So from that aspect, I absolutely love it. I seriously think that the Arizona Cardinals could end up with Marvin Harrison and Caleb Williams. If you're going to turn around a team in one year, those are two guys that are going to give you a very, very good chance to do it. So from that aspect, absolutely love what they did there. And then just looking forward from this draft, this last draft that is because obviously you can be as optimistic as you can about next year but you really don't know what's going to end up happening until you just see where you end up picking at that's really all you can do about it and of course we don't know the answers to that yet but the answers we do know are that they got Paris Johnson, BJ Ocelari, Garrett Williams, Michael Wilson with their first four picks. Those first four picks by themselves, absolutely incredible value in my opinion. Paris Johnson, one of the best tackles in this year's draft, really wanted him to end up in Chicago. Obviously, I'm happy with what ended up happening in Chicago. I like Darnell Wright a lot, but makes total sense from the Arizona Cardinals perspective, addresses a position of need, and again, great value for where they got him ended up trading down for him and still addressed a position in need just makes way too much sense there for the Arizona Cardinals BJ Ojolari edge defender again another position of need and also a guy that uh great value in the second round thought that was a guy that probably could have snuck into the end of the first there but again getting him at 41 great value Garrett Williams at number 72 overall in round three this is a guy that 
almost certainly would have been a second round pick if he didn't have the health concerns that he does. But when he is on the field, he is nothing short of fantastic. If you listen to my cornerback rankings this last year, you know that I was very high on this guy. Just couldn't put him in my top 10 again because of injuries. But when he is healthy, he is fantastic. And then Michael Wilson, a guy that I was very, very high on in this draft process. I thought that he could have been a second round pick to get him at 94 overall. Feels like an absolute steal. He's a great wide receiver. Going to be really good in this league, in my opinion. And I just really like the upside there. Um, I know he doesn't have crazy athleticism, but he has those intangibles. He has a great release package. He's great at route running. Even though he's not the fastest, he can still stack you vertically because he's just so damn big. And he uses his size and quickness well enough. Um, he almost has a little bit of DeAndre Hopkins in his game that way where D-Hop was never the fastest guy, but because of the way he could use his body, he could still stack you vertically and make you respect, you know, the go routes and all that type of stuff. This guy can run any route in the route tree and he can use his body as leverage to get in front of guys on things like slant routes. So he's basically always open is my point. Garrett, or not Garrett Wilson, Michael Wilson, uh, out of Stanford if he had a better situation around him there or was in a better offense in college football and of course didn't have as many injuries as he did again this is the theme whoa with garrett williams and michael wilson sorry i said whoa because i moved my head way too fast and my neck like fucking spazzed out on me um but if those two guys can stay healthy they're going to be steals in this draft in my humble opinion um Either way, I like what they did in the draft a lot this year, and they have a great opportunity in their hands going into the draft next year because of how they handled the draft this year. So, you know, even though this year is probably not going to be the year for the Arizona Cardinals, after this year, the future should be bright for those guys down there in AZ, especially if Caleb Williams decides not to go back to school and does end up declaring for the draft because obviously his dad mentioned that if he doesn't like the situation, he can just go back to SC, which especially with NAL, NIL deals now, a lot more players are going to end up doing that. And that might be a theme that we end up, you know, noticing going forward here in the NCAA. Either way, my record prediction for them and Cardinals fans cover your ears for this one. Last year, you guys went four and 13. Your over under is currently set at four and a half wins. I have you guys winning one game. So easily the worst team in the league. Actually, it's kind of close with Houston, but we'll get to that when we get to that. 1 in 16 for you guys. I'm really, really sorry. I honestly, I didn't write down your schedule, so I don't remember who I had you guys beating. Um, but if I were to guess, it was probably the Texans, because I think you guys do play the Texans. Let me look up the schedule really quick. Um, cards, schedule, NFL. Um, not the St. Louis Cardinals. Dude, like, genuinely, you guys will not be favorited in a single game. That is just fact. I love how you're saying, I'm saying you guys, like, I'm like, speaking to the whole team or something but yeah i think the one game i had them winning was against the texans and even then one by the time that game comes around you guys probably will not be favored in that one um just really really rough for the arizona cardinals this year i don't really expect much to come out of it either way that's gonna be it for me guys i hope you enjoyed this episode about the nfc west if you did be sure to follow me here at murphy's league be sure to go follow me on instagram over at murphy's league i appreciate each and every single one of y'all be sure to share this with your friends and family have a great rest of your night and football season is here let's fucking enjoy it guys peace out